Good afternoon. The time is 2 o'clock. Welcome to Vox Pop for this Tuesday, February 6th. I'm Ray Graff. Our favorite bird experts are back today. Julie Hart and Rich Guthrie will share their knowledge and answer your questions. And a lot of people, and this is somewhat surprising to me, even after all these years, a lot of people have a lot of bird questions. Call with yours, 800-348-2551. 800-348-2551. You can also email us at voxpop at wamc.org. Several people have done that already this week. It's voxpop at wamc.org. Or call us, 800-348-2551. Rich Guthrie, Julie Hart, and your birding questions coming up after the news. Hello again. Welcome back to Vox Pop, WAMC's live afternoon call-in talk show. I'm Ray Graff. We're discussing birds today, and we welcome back our friends Rich Guthrie and Julie Hart. Rich Guthrie is retired from the New York State DEC and is now the regional reviewer for the premier birding site eBird. Julie Hart is the project coordinator of the New York Breeding Bird Atlas. She coordinates with thousands of volunteers to document bird breeding behaviors. She has a focus on bird conservation and citizen science. If you have a birding question, call now. This show gets really jammed up. So early, you got a good shot. 800-348-2551 is the number. 800 800- 348-2551 or email voxpop at wamc.org. That's voxpop at wamc.org for the emails. And the number is 800-348-2551. As sometimes happens on this show, Rich Guthrie is, well, we don't know where he is. He's traveling somewhere around in the world. But let's say hello to the person who's in Studio A with me right now, Julie Hart. How are you? Good. I'm so glad it's sunny out finally. And I have to say that um, hopefully most people listening have noticed that the birds are very happy as well. They seem happy. Don't they? uh, They're much more active. They're more vocal. They're starting to sing. Um, yeah, they're they're getting a little bit of spring fever here. So, um, yeah, that's exciting. Rich Guthrie, where are you? Good good afternoon. And hi. Um, Yeah, well, I'm in sunny Florida at the moment. Really? Why? Yeah. Why aren't you here in Studio A? We got a show. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to be there, but here I am instead. Good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon to you, sir. Yeah. yeah. All right, Julie Hart, before we get to the emails, I was on the roof taking the air, as I do sometimes. And, uh, you know, has anybody done a crow count in this city? There's a lot (laughs) of crows in this city. There are, I mean, and and then in the winter we get some massive roosts here. In they they kind of move around Albany Troy area, um, but yeah, they just they come in from all directions. You can see them flying in right at dusk, like probably for like I don't know forty five minutes to an hour before before it gets dark. You'll see them flying in from all directions, and then they just hang out in the trees and they're super loud and noisy. And they're my yeah. favorite bird. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. What's your favorite bird? Oh, God, that's, you know, that's like an impossible question. Hmm. I really, I do really love common loons. They're kind of what got me started into birding. So, they're they're yeah. cute. They're, yeah. Are, are, are they nasty, though? I mean, they look so beautiful <laughs> yes. when they're in pairs on a nice lake somewhere. But, uh, I mean. And they, they do have a very strong pointy bill, and they will use it to defend their nest and their young. Um, so, yeah, you want to want to be careful if you're 
if you're around them and, and disturbing them. You want to know who? Uh, what other bird is really nasty? It's a goose. I, uh, I, I lived at a boarding house years ago, decades ago, and the woman who owned the house had a pet goose. <laughs> and this goose would bite me all the time. It just had a terrible attitude. Rich, have you ever had that happen to you? Oh, those geese, I'll tell you, uh, and especially some of those backyard geese. Mm. They make very good watchdogs, I'll say that. All right. They, your, they, don't, they don't put up with much. What's your favorite bird, Rich? Well, I'm with you, Ray. I'm I'm up there with the crow. Yeah. And um, of various sorts, whether it's the crow, the magpie, or the raven, um, all inclusive. What's the difference between a crow and a magpie? Uh, uh, <laughs> pretty much the same family. The magpie is a, a big looking, uh, looks like a big J, but it is related to the crow, and its behavior is very similar in many ways. Okay. All right, uh, let's go to the email, and the email has been coming in. This one goes back to uh, January 16th, and this is from Susan in Greenfield, who says, Today is January 16th. Check. I heard an unusual sound outside my window. In the middle of the snowstorm, there was a bird building a nest. I was wondering if there's anything to do for it as we're going into colder temperatures right now. And that's from Susan in Greenfield. Uh, Julie Hart. Hmm. I mean, do you do anything? I mean, we don't know what, what species it is either, huh? No. Um, it's just an unusual sound. And an unusual sound. Uh, but, I mean... In a, in no, I mean, it'll, it'll learn, you know, if, it, if it's still... If, it's, if birds are starting to nest early because they're confused by the weather, um, they will um, stop building their nest once the weather um, turns and yeah. they realize, oh, whoops, okay, it's not quite time yet. Um, if they get further along, then they might fail, and then they'll try again. Mm. Um, so for most species can, can do that. But Susan wouldn't have to do anything. This no, is nature taking its course. Yeah. All right. Uh, Rich, I have one for you. This is from Jeff in West Springfield. We have an open field in our backyard, and I'm interested in building both a bat house and an owl house to place on our large garage with the ends facing north-south and the peak about 25 feet tall. We are in the southern Pioneer Valley. I've seen bats flying around and have heard owls in the distance, though not sure what they are. What should I look for to build, either or both? And is there a better side of the garage to place them on? Anything else to know, such as type of wood or finishes? And that's from Jeff in West Springfield. Well, I would start by being a generalist, and uh, um, the, the, both of those should work, depending on who's in the neighborhood and ready to take up the residence there. As far as the owl is concerned, I'm wondering the best bet would be the screech owl, a nest box for screech owl, uh, but I don't know if they're in that neighborhood. Um, you can listen and, and, and determine whether or not they are. And if they are, yeah, go ahead and build a screech owl. But if the barn is too close to the house, uh, then it may not work. The other hand, uh, uh, if you put it further away and, and, and find a tree that, or a pole that you can put it on, that has a better chance of working. The barred owl does take up nest boxes if they're available and a better site is not available. The barred owl. And uh, but they're a little trickier. And I, I don't know that there's a lot of success rate for those out there, but they do. It does happen. People build them and they they do show up as far as a bat house is concerned. 
yeah, uh, do it. You could put it on the side of the building or on a pole separate from the building. And uh, I've not tried it, but from what I've heard, uh, the bats will utilize them. And if they do, good for you. Here's a question not related to birds or bats, Julie Hart, that I just mm. thought of. When we have our bee bomb growing in the backyard, yeah. we'll get hummingbirds. Yes. And the bees also love it. Yes. And sometimes they're there right about the same time. Mm-hmm. Who wins that battle or do they get along? Usually the hummingbirds, they'll, they'll chase they, the bees will away. They? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're bigger. They're more dominant over the, over the bees. So, yeah. Okay, fair enough. This yep. uh, email came in, and it's got a picture attached to it, so I'm going to show it to Julie Hart. Uh, this is from Ellen in Claremont. I saw this huge hawk at Olana yesterday. Can you identify? Sorry, it's not a more clear image. Well, that's okay, Ellen. We don't really like pictures uh, that much on the show because no one else can see them. So either way, it's it's a sort of a tie. Well, um, yeah, so I can briefly describe the features that I'm looking at okay. on this bird. So um, so it's, it is a, a large hawk yep. that is up uh, in the top of, oh, it looks like a tree. Yeah, it looks like a, a cedar or something, okay. a juniper, something like this. Um, and the bird itself has what looks like a, a darker head and then a pretty white belly with some blotching across the middle of the breast. Yeah. Um, and so when often when you when you see that, that white belly with the blotching across the breast, that what we call a belly brand, band, yeah. uh, that's a red-tailed hawk. Okay. And, and to be fair, Ellen sent it in color, but I only mm. could print it in black and white. So uh, you did very no well. <laughs> Julie Hart is here. Rich Guthrie's on the phone. It's birds today, 800-348-2551. And let's see, we have time for maybe one more email, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll hit the phones. And this is uh, about owls. Is it possible to attract owls to your property in the country sky, in the countryside in the Schuylerville area? And that's from Debbie. Uh, Rich, we just talked about this a little bit. Can you attract owls by making sounds or whatnot? You can you can get them to respond to your sounds, uh, the barred owl especially, and the screech owl. But the thing is that the determinant will be the, the, the nature of the habitat. And if it's uh, favorable and conducive, the owls will, be, will show up. Otherwise, um, there's very little you can do. Other than, well, as a previous uh, uh, person mentioned, is build a nest box. Um, further south, building a nest box for the barn owl, uh, the, uh, the house where horses live owl, uh, that does work in proper settings. But uh, we don't have that many, if any at all, barn owls in our listening area. So um, I would go with the screech owl, try the nest box for the screech owl, and aside from that, you know, stand by, talk to them, and listen, and uh, good luck. All right, we have time for one more here before the next break. Julie Hart, this is for you for five points. <laughs> this is from Holly in Wagontown, Pennsylvania. I recently started using various bird-watching YouTube channels to keep my cats engaged and occupied while I'm at work. Mm. I have come to enjoy watching it in my downtime, too. I've noticed that many of the nature centers put out trays of peanuts, both in and out of the shell, and that it's primarily cardinals and blue jays that eat these. I'm curious as to why that is. Are peanuts considered a favorite of theirs? Yeah, they love the—they're full of— 
calories, really, a lot of calories. So there's a lot of fat in them and protein, and that's exactly what these birds need in the winter. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, the blue jays particularly love them. Um, I even have – it's it's really hilarious when whenever we put um, some shelled peanuts out on, on the tray in our yard, and you see the, the chickadees even carrying oh, really? off peanuts, and it, they're like <laughs> – <laughs> nearly as big as they are yeah. right so um yeah there's a lot of birds actually that are that are using those peanuts and they they love them it's birds today julie hart and rich guthrie are here to take your calls or well julie's here rich is 50 percent here he's on the phone and he can hear you 800-348-2551 is the number we'll be back Great Frank West on the flute there. That's the Star Eyes on Vox Pop, 800-348-2551. Julie Hart is here in Studio A. Rich Guthrie, the lucky dog, is in Florida enjoying himself. And uh, we, listen, we're going to hit the phones right now. And this is where the hot ornithological action really begins. We'll go to Carrie in Plainfield. You're on, Carrie. Hi, Ray. How are you? Good. Go ahead, buddy. Um, okay, I got a quick question for Julie or Rich. Uh, when the birds come here, I think sometimes they're at, they think they're at the Golden Corral. I, uh, <laughs> I feed them suet, peanut butter, black oil, and thistle seed, mm. and popcorn. Um, however, this year, I've been looking for these, well, I'm going to say they're like 10 pounds each, those uh, seed blocks that I've got in the past. And the places I've been to where I've gotten them before, nobody uh, had any. They said they didn't get any this year. Huh. So my question is, are they still on the market? Uh, Julie. Yeah, I, th- I think they are still on the market. During the pandemic, and I don't actually know why this was, but I, I do know from the, the local bird shop um, here in, in the Albany area um, that suet was actually really um, hard to come by. Really? Um, and so a lot of the like suet cakes and a lot of those, yeah, those seed cakes, um, were really hard to come by and they were really expensive. Why do you think I that is? I would have thought that they would be back by now, but I don't know. Maybe Rich has more info. Rich. No, I can't add to that. I, um, um, I, I I've seen them out there. The price has gone up, but I've seen yeah. the suet cakes available at the usual locations and, Birds love them. Yeah, yeah, and I've been seeing the the seed the seed ones too. They come in like a, the shape of a bell or like a wreath or something like that, and and I've seen those around as well. But um, but yeah, I I maybe there maybe some stores aren't carrying them because they are more expensive now. Oh uh, yeah, Carrie, uh, you said your uh, backyard is like the golden corral for birds. Which birds like the chocolate fountain? Just wondering. Ha ha ha! Let me think. Um, the, the, the cowbird, I guess, the oh, big brown bird. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, hey, thanks for nice. the call. 800-348-2551. Well played, Carrie in Plainfield. Let's go to Hobart, New York. And Jeffrey, you're on. Oh, hello. Listen, I recently have a rough grouse that has uh, befriended me. Uh, it won't leave me alone. Pulls my shoelaces, oh. gets up on my head, <laughs> oh, uh, my. pecks my hand. I'm like, uh, I've had pet crows and everything, but I've, I've never had a grouse mm, that was like, 
it, it's crazy. Well, Rich I, talks to what's going on. Rich talks to the animals regularly. Rich, what's going on there? <laughs> you know, that's a that's a funny thing with the rough grouse. They do that. They're, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and uh, for some strange reason, and I sure don't understand it. I like it when I see it, but. Um, yeah, they take a hunting, uh, a liking to people and machines, especially lawnmowers and uh, yard tractors and the like. So, you know, enjoy yeah, every it, minute. Uh, yeah, he'll sit ahead. on my railing and peck on my door trying to get in. I'm like, no, you can't come wow. in. And, <laughs> sure, good for you. It's you got to cool. draw the line someplace. Uh, yeah, you got it. Yeah, indeed. Do, uh, uh, sounds fun. Thanks, Jeffrey. Do Rich, do the, the rough grouses uh, handle rejection okay, if you've had enough? Apparently not. <laughs> okay, uh, let's go to Harriet in Woodstock. Hello, Harriet in Woodstock. Hello, Ray. Um, I am uh, calling in reference to bathhouses. It's not really a question. There is a uh, an organization called Bat Conservation International, and I don't know, I'm sure they're on, you know, Google or whoever, how to get in touch with them, because there are real important specifics about how to build a bathhouse and where to locate them, and also um, the kind of products that you use, you have to be real careful that you don't use chemical of finishes or varnishes or anything like that. Very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would contact them before you, because they probably wouldn't go into a house that didn't meet their specifications. I think that's good advice. Julie, what do you think? Yeah, and I guess I'll just add to that that um, if somebody's Googling for bat house instructions, um, I would look for a large and little brown bat. Houses. Okay, that makes sense. There. Harriet, yes. thank you. Go ahead. One more thing. Sure. Uh, the previous caller, I would say treasure your moments with the rough grouse. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Good point. Thanks for the call. 800-348-2551. Rich Guthrie is here. Julie Hart is here. They're answering your questions. This question from Kathy. I have been feeding the birds at my house for over 22 years. It's been a lot of fun. Starting last summer, I began getting pigeons at my bird feeders. I've started cleaning up the bird seed that spills on the ground, but they're still coming. This isn't a few birds. Sometimes there are between 10 and 20 pigeons at one time. Some have even flown to a feeder and started eating from the feeder. I only feed black oil sunflower seeds in the shell now, and it has not deterred them. Is there any reason why pigeons are now coming to bird feeders? And that's from Kathy, Rich Guthrie. Well... Good luck with that. Pigeons are very smart. They follow the leader. Uh, it's kind of like monkey see, monkey do, and um, they found you. Um, so I, I don't have a lot of uh, real good suggestions other than uh, cut them off for a little while and uh, change to other kind of bird seed, and perhaps that could uh, make a difference. But once they found a pathway to your door, they don't call them homing pigeons for nothing. Hmm. Uh, they got your number. Okay. Uh, this, this one's from Preston. I'll throw it over to you, Julie Hart. Okay. I've heard that crows are very smart and will bring gifts to people sometimes. How do I encourage a crow to be my friend and bring me things? Is there a certain food they like more than something else? <laughs> um, 
I, Rich, I think I think you've answered oh. this question quite a bit in the past that it's yeah. it's really hard to peanuts. to befriend them, but just, yeah, peanuts. If you want to if you want a crow to be your friend, just uh, timing and consistency and uh, reliability, and that's it. You got a crow coming, uh, start with him knowing nothing, and have him learn, and then they learn quickly mm. and repetitive behavior. They learn. So if you have peanuts, put a peanut out uh, at a a specific location, time and again. And sooner or later, if they're around and they're watching, they'll pick up on it. And um, and if you if if they can rely on your being there, they'll show up. And uh, and then the next thing, they'll become impatient. and You'll have a friend forever. And sometimes you may not be too uh, glad you did that, but it'll work. Got it. No, nothing. Thought you were going to add something. I, I did, and then it you just went out of your head. Ah, <laughs> oh, believe me, you're preaching to the choir on that. Uh, oh, I know what it was. Go ahead. Um, have you ever heard, Rich, of of crows bringing gifts to their friends? Oh yeah, they friends? do that. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah, they do. I'm not familiar. And, and, and it's a cute story. I ran across of a, a young a young gal out in Minnesota way or something in that area. And uh, the crows would bring her trinkets day after day. She'd put something out, they'd take it and come back and leave. Maybe a, brick, uh, a broken piece of glass or uh, huh. uh, a shiny uh, pop top from the street or something. You know, yeah. all kinds of junk that you have no use for, but it's kind of a nice gesture. Okay, a couple questions, Rich, and then we'll get back to the phones. One, how many crows do you count as friends at the moment? <laughs> Uh, well, I'm afraid they're not my. They don't think I'm their friend much anymore since I'm down here and they're left back up there. Uh, uh, but uh, before, um, there was a while when I would have five or six crows lined up to come down to the feeder, waiting for me to put some uh, peanuts out on a post, and they would they would sit there and wait. Interesting. And they would not come up to me while I was there, but I could step a few uh, back a few steps, and then they would come in, hmm. and. Um, and it would have been a matter of time before uh, they would, um, you know, become a little more, uh, let's say, trusting. What's the nicest thing they ever brought you? Oh, they haven't brought me a darn thing. Really? Not me. <laughs> okay. No, I'm, I haven't gotten to that level yet. No. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe, you know, hmm. 2024, it's pretty new. Maybe this will happen in the future. Let's go to Joan in Schenectady. Joan, you're on. Well, thank you, and hello. Hello, hello Julie. Hello, Rich. Hi. And hi, hi. hi. <laughs> I um, I wanted to just uh, second your all of your opinions. Uh, I have a storytelling of crows, numbers about five or six that I can recognize by sound, and uh, I I like crows and loons. Um, just a quick offshoot. Did I ever share the Swinswood loon story when I was in an Adirondack lake and a loon came very close to me? Uh, so, um, is it and a brief story? For about, uh, I think about 10, 20 yards. Um, but it was a cool experience. So um, I guess if you're careful around loons, um, they, they might come near you. Now, here's my real question, though. Uh, it's a question about a blackbird. Um, I have one that I see every year, and we're starting to get the, 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 the folks flying through around here. Um I think it's a grackle, and uh, those are the ones with the pointy tails, right? And the pretty heads. Yep, the long, yes. long tails. Long okay. tail. Yeah. Now, this one, she has one white feather. Every year when I, I see the spring 
critters. Um, one white tail. What's the name of that? I think you shared the name of that scientific thing when there's an aberration or a difference in the usual feathering. Yeah, it's uh, leucism. Leucism. Yep. Thank Luce. you. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. I, I couldn't find my notes, so I forgot what that word was. And how old do a grackles usually live? Can I hope to see her for a few more years? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It should probably like five okay. to seven years. Yeah. There you go. Cool. Cool. So I've only spotted her for about three years. Cool. Oh. Hopefully it lasts. You know, okay. the friendship lasts. Joan, thanks a lot for the call. 800-348-2551. Rich Guthrie is here. Julie Hart is here. It's birds. And let's go to Marta in Poughkeepsie. Hello, Marta. Hello. Uh, thanks, Ray. Uh, I wanted to tell a story about about three weeks ago. Weather's been so funky around the nation, you know, yep. strange winds and cold and all that. Mm-hmm. So some strangers flew into the yard. Uh, I live right in the heart of the city of Poughkeepsie. And uh, from upstairs, you can actually see the hills on the other side of the river. But I was from, t- you know, I feed the, f- the, f- the cats that are trapped, neuter, release, that don't find a home. Mm-hmm. And I put out a little cat food in the morning for them and, and water. So that's my normal routine, has been for years. And from time to time, you'll see like a hawk type of bird come fly pretty low because there's a lot of squirrels around too. You know, I have a compost pile. And I thought, oh, squirrel hunting. But this was like a very big wing thing that flew in. I was like, what the heck? And then all of a sudden, I realized that's not a hawk. That's a turkey vulture. And six of them showed up. I never saw them anywhere that close before. And I was like, I came right in the, the house. And, you know, I'm downstairs. I'm looking through the window. I'm like, oh, my God. They were so big and scary looking. I'm, I like birds of all kinds. I'm not prejudiced. But I was worried because some of the cats were still nibbling. And... I realized these are just, they're just passing through, and they were famished and very thirsty. And I told, you know, most of the cats are smart enough to avoid wild creatures, but two of the younger ones are like, oh, I can take this bird easy. I had to go out there saying, don't even think about it. (laughs) And I I watched this turkey vulture eat cat food, drink from the water dish, drink from a puddle. I was like, they're (laughs) famished. And one of them, I know they're social birds. They hang in groups and... One of them was, like, perched on a broken limb, watching, making sure everything was safe. They, some of them flew to the next yard because there's, like, stockade wooden fence between the yards, and some were in the parking lot on the other side of the yard. And I was like, oh, my God, and uh, got real close up. Those gigantic clawed feet, those hooked beak. I mean, they're not pretty, uh-huh. but they are pretty impressive. And those silly boys, I had to, like, twice chase them away so they wouldn't bother that vulture, and that vulture did not move. It was just looking down, like, just try it. But they were so young and dumb, I thought they could get hurt. You know what, Marta? Rich loves interactions between cats and birds. So, Rich, why don't you take it from here? Okay, first of all, uh, you need to know this. I'm not a big fan of cats outdoors like that. Um, That little song spell doesn't deserve that, Uh, and it doesn't stand a chance, especially with the many cats in the neighborhood. And the vultures you speak of are likely not turkey vultures, but black vultures, which are, first of all, they're likely to be here through the winter, more so than the turkey vulture. They're newcomers in the area, so they don't show up in many of the bird identification books uh, that we have um, up north like that. And then the other thing is that they are rather tenacious. They will, um, (laughs) they're not aggressive, but they are assertive. And they will uh, step right up and help themselves right out of that uh, outdoor cat food uh, feeding trough. 
And so, yeah, black vultures and uh, the numbers have been increasing, especially uh, within the last five or six years in our area. So, well, mm, well they didn't come back. They did not come back. And also, that's why I feed the, the trap neuter release kitties, because I don't want them eating the birds. I love the birds. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, well, it doesn't work. And uh, um, well, the cats are the out there anyway. Though, Rich. Just, yeah, I know. But uh, so are the birds, <laughs> and the cats do not give up their instincts. Okay. Not, no matter. How I know, much I know, that's true. Have. But I do keep an eye on them, and I tell them, Good do not you, bother the birds. Don't let Rich pull Thanks you. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks yeah. a lot for the call. Okay. 800-348-2551. Rich is really getting his uh, ankles or rankles or ankles <laughs> up or whatever the hell <laughs> All right, just calm well, down. Hackles. Hackles, that's the thing. Thank you for, for that. Took me yeah. a second, too. Julie yeah. Hart is joining us today. Rich Guthrie is in Florida. The lucky Let's go to Jim in Wurtsboro. Jim, you're on. Hey, uh, how's it going? Yeah, uh, you know. Bit of a crazy question, but it's always been on my mind. I've got a small dog, and I'm always wondering when I see hawks or larger birds circling in the air if I should actually have any sort of concern about one of them coming down and picking them up. <laughs> okay, Julie. Um. No. I think, yeah, I mean, if it's a really small dog, like, you know, Chihuahua or some kind of toy something, toy breed, um, it's potential that a, a hawk, a raptor could come in and get it. I think I would actually probably be more afraid of a coyote or something getting it. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's it's possible. They tend to prefer to go for, like, squirrels and rabbits and things like that that they're used to eating, so... Um, if you're nearby, they're very unlikely to come in and try to get your dog away from you. So, what about small children? Um, not, oh, no, for, no, no. for birds, no, yeah, no. no okay. I'm like yeah, thinking coyotes. Yeah, maybe. But I'm more concerned about the coyotes. You're right. I, yeah, they're, they're around where I live. But I always wonder if when I see those birds, what they're actually doing up there. But I've lived in Brooklyn for a few years too, and I've seen hawks circling. In the middle of the city. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's kind of scary, Jim. I remember when my son was young and we're out in the middle of the street throwing the baseball. And behind him, there's this huge bird. I believe it was an owl. And obviously interested in the ball. And <laughs> he swooped in over my son's yeah. head. And my, my son was already big by then. But it, he was not going to take him away. But I said, what's this bird going to do? It was really cool. Like, kind of yeah, scary. Yeah. We've all watched too much Hitchcock, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, you yeah. are. All right, let's take a break here. Jim, thanks for the call. 800-348-2551. It is birds today. And, oh, boy, we're going to have some fun in the, the remaining portion of the show. Hey, listen, our fun drive starts on the 20th of February. That's a Tuesday. I think the day before that's a holiday, so we're starting it on Tuesday. We have raised the amount of our fun drive for the first time in, I think, 13 or 14 years. Costs, it's just, it's all about cost. I mean, go buy a jar of mayo and see how it is from two years ago. And that is basically where everything is. And so we got the lockbox open. The goal is to get this fun drive over before it begins on the 20th. If you want to make a pledge, if you want to hear more Rich Guthrie and Julie Hart, and who doesn't, please go, go to WAMC.org. Make a pledge. There's a whole bunch of premiums there you can get, and we would be very, 
very thankful. WAMC.org. Spurs today on the show. Rich Guthrie, Julie Hart are here. It's 800-348-2551. Email is voxpop at WAMC.org. Peter writes in, I'm not a regular bird watcher, but I saw and identified a pileated woodpecker at my home in Gilderland. Is that a rare sighting, Julie? Um, I wouldn't say rare, um, they're, but they're not um, a lot of them in one area, right? They have a pretty large territory, so they're pretty spread out. But if you have a nice forest with some good, you know, old older trees in it where they can... Um, they, they really like to eat those uh, carpenter ants and stuff that are growing, um, living underneath the bark of trees and stuff. Are those the big stuff. ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, how many varieties are around the Northeast? Of woodpecker? Yeah. Um, what, seven? Okay, so there's several, but there, yeah. is that the big one? With yeah, the red they're wo- the biggest one, okay. like the woody woodpecker yeah. one with the big red head. Yep. yep. All right, this is from Jody. And I'll throw it to you, Rich. Could you talk about suet and whether or not some brands or kinds are better than others, what to look for in terms of quality and nutrients or whatever? My own uh, request, Rich, is don't say this brand is way better than that brand, but you can go in general. No, I don't do that by the branding, but just by the content, the ingredients. And uh, I would say the ones with the uh, sunflower seed embedded in them, and uh, um, also some of the other um, millet seed and the like. Uh, stay away from those that are loaded with cracked corn. And uh, aside from that, I'm, I'm really, I, I don't have a way of judging the quality of the fat content. There's suet uh, material that's mixed in there. And um, of course, the best bet is if you could get the pure kidney suet from a butcher uh, and put that out there in a, in a, in a um, that would be, to me, the best uh, alternative. But as Julie noted earlier on, that is, it's become increasingly harder to find. And the price, you know, they used to be able to get it for free. Uh, but, you know, like you say, Ray, things have changed well, and the prices right. have gone up. Yes. And uh, so now it's in the supermarket if you can find it. And the price has gone up dramatically you know, uh, from free to way up there. But anyway, that's the best of the sources Right. And, um, again, stick with the black oil sunflower seed embedded in the suet cakes and uh, and go with that. That, that, that keeps it simple. Okay, one more email here, and then we'll go back to the phones. Uh, Julie Aaron in Greenfield writes, Should we, as citizens, be discouraging invasive bird species and encouraging native? My understanding is that starlings are a problem and that swans, as majestic as they are, are an invasive species. And that's from Aaron in Greenfield. Uh, that's true. Both both of those are non-native species, and um, both of those do cause uh, conflicts with other bird species or also with humans. In the case of the swans, they can be very aggressive. Really? Yep. Swans are just like your your backyard goose you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Uh, swans are even bigger, so um, they can they can really do okay. some damage if, if they get upset. Um, and uh, yeah. I, um, I, I would not recommend that the general public go around and try to help control the the non-native species. I would I would leave that to the like the state agency to do that. What but, would you do anyway? You can't kill them. 
I mean, what would you do to discourage yeah, them? Make loud kill, noises? They do kill swans in some areas, um, and th- they'll go out and shoot them. Um, and then, you know, like house sparrows and starlings, we, you know, there's all kinds of deterrent practices that you can can put in place. Um, but having said that, you know, everything is changing, as we've been mentioning, and, you know, starlings and, and those things aren't really doing well in their homeland either. Yeah. So, um you know, then what do we do? Do we? Yeah. Yeah. That makes a point. All right, let's go back to our phones. Julie Hart, Rich Guthrie are here. It's birds, 800-348-2551. Eric in Clintonville has been waiting a very long time. Eric, sorry for the delay. Go ahead. No problem at all. Thanks for taking the call. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I'm calling because I'm confused about my bird feeders and why they're unpopular. I lived in Arondacoit, just above Rochester, New York, and I had four or five of the cylindrical um, plastic and metal uh, tray bird feeders. Very, very popular. I loved watching all the different kinds of birds there. Now that I've moved up to the Adirondacks in the Osable Valley, I put those out and the birds completely ignored them. So I put them out further in the yard thinking they hadn't seen them, ignored them again. I changed to a different kind of bird seed. And now what I've started doing is pouring the bird seed on the ground on my patio underneath there, and that's as popular as can be. They love to get down there and eat it. If I throw peanuts on it, then I get, as you said before, a lot of the Blue Jays. I've cleaned the bird feeders thoroughly. I can't figure out why they're not coming to them. Hmm. Hmm. Rich. I'm a, I'm, it's a mystery to me, too, um, because huh. I, I can't. It, it, it's just learned behavior on a part of the birds. And uh, perhaps up there in the uh, depths of the Adirondacks, they're just not accustomed to kindness of it. And the bird feed is put out for them, and they're used to finding food on the ground, and that's where they're looking. Uh-huh. I, I would say that in time, uh, one will explore the new opportunities, and the others will see the success and join in. So uh, keep up the good work, and, and, uh, and be sure to – let me mention this, Ray, if, if you don't mind. The great backyard bird count is coming up where everybody can participate in that, and I'd encourage you to uh, join in on that. That would – that's going to be the weekend of uh, February 16th through the 19th. And you can find out about it online. There's a nice video that you can look at and learn about it. It's called birdcount.org. If you can uh, bring that up on your Internet, you'll find out about the Great Backyard Bird Count. All right. Cornell University and National Audubon Society are behind it. Join in. Have fun. Eric, thanks for the call. Julie, you wanted to add something. Yeah, I would just say just to make sure that the feed, the food that he's putting in the feeders is fresh. Mm. Um, because if it's not, if it's old food, even if you've cleaned the feeders, emptied them out, put new food in, um, if the food itself, the seeds themselves are older, then the birds will know that and they're going to okay. ignore it. Go for but. better food. Let's go to Utica and Arthur. Arthur, you're up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Hey, hi, Julie. Hi, Rich. Hi, Ray. Hi. Yeah, I just wanted to ask a quick question about the snowy owl. All right. How how do you spot them? Because I go up above the Utica Zoo where they have a lookout, and I I just can't find them. All right. Uh, Julie. Yeah, I mean, this year has not been a good year for them, so they don't show up in New York every year, and they don't show up in large numbers. Um, and they only show up in, in like every few years. 
um, and the last few years have not been very good for them. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah. We're, Go ahead, Arthur. Right. Well, the last time we seen one was on the farm. It was out of uh, Durhamville, New York, and uh, and yeah. that and I, that would be usually more the case. Feather colors, feather colors. Rich, go ahead. Yes, over the years, the younger ones will turn whiter and whiter, uh, and the males um, become almost completely white as they get older in time. And then uh, the young oh. females are almost completely dark um, with uh, black lines throughout the body. And then they, it begins to fade and they become whiter as they go with age. But the, the snowy owl is more of a rural owl. So uh, to look on farm fields out in the countryside would be a better bet than, uh, let's say, an observation tower in an urban setting. But it can happen. Right. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I was wondering if they changed their feathers during the seasons. Julie. Well, they grow new feathers every year. Uh, so, uh, But over the course of time, the color of the feathers okay. will also change. So they turn white just like uh, humans do. They get a little mm-hmm. whiter. Yeah, right. hair and, yeah. Yes. Uh, All right, Arthur. <laughs> hey, thanks a lot for the call. We're going to go a few, couple few miles over from Utica, and we'll go to the home of the Bocce Ball World Series, Rome, New York. Anita, you're on. Yeah, hi, this is another um, suet comment, and I don't know if I can mention the name of a store. Uh, um, do you have to? I show, mean, is, no. it, is it important okay. to the story? Well, well no, okay. not at all, but all right. there is a store near Rome that they do have those suet cakes, and they're, they are very reasonable, okay. just, you know, just to let people know. And um, <clears throat> another quick question, I was out... I don't know, maybe it was in the fall, and I saw, now I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, those peleated woodpeckers, the big ones, and in one tree there was like, I'm okay, there was like four of them on one tree, so I was just wondering, could that have been like a family of of the woodpeckers, or, because I've never seen that many, Uh, you know, like, and they were all on, on one tree. Interesting. It's a yeah. lot of woodpeckers on yeah, the tree. Yeah. It, it could it have was, been, yeah, it, yeah. Julie? De- depending on what time of year it was exactly, yeah, like even up until September, I'd say you'd still see a family group together. Um, it okay. can also be um, so they they live here year round and they have the same territory year round, um, and so oh. they do. Um, you know, they do have to defend their territory. And oh. at times you'll see like two pairs could be coming together to fight, to fight out and fight and determine, you know, exactly where their territory is. Okay. So, um, so oh, it could okay. have been one All of right. those two well, situations. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Hey, Anita, thank thanks you. a lot. Okay. And we appreciate hearing from you and from Rome. This email, Julie, came from Jane and Lee. And I'll throw it to you first and then to Rich. Mm. Jane writes, crows are my favorite bird. Several years ago, I had crows that would come to my backyard when I put out the compost and when I threw bread out for them. I thought it would be really fun if I had a signature call for them to recognize me by. So the next time I went out with some bread, I made a cawing noise. They all flew away and haven't come back since. (laughs) What What did I say? I'm so disappointed. I'm finally seeing them at the top of my field, but they no longer visit my backyard. Any ideas? Oh, Jane in Limas. Jane, your singing is terrible. 
No, Julie, what, what's up with that? Wow, it sounds like she just really scared them. And they 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 do have really good long-term memories, yeah. crows do. And so, uh, yeah, if they felt threatened, they might keep that for a while. Um, I totally thought that story was going to go a different way. Yeah. And they were going to be like, oh, yeah, she learned, like, they learned her her call right. and came in all the time. But, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we've learned a couple of things, Rich. Uh, you know, the crows are pretty discriminating is, <laughs> is one. What do you think about that? I, I want to I know what she said because I don't want to ever use that word. That's like right. That. And from yeah. then on, she was known as Jane the Crow Frightener. Let's see. Uh, well, let's go. Let's go to Carl in Woodstock. Carl, you're on. Okay. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Okay. All right. I'll get right to the point. I got these um, uh, birds of some sort, but I'm pretty sure they are uh, owls at night. Of course, making noise, a beautiful sound. Um, but I was wondering if you could uh, give me a clue as to what they might be and also um what you, you discussed houses like mm-hmm. i could build something maybe uh but i don't have an idea of how big wide have the roof sides or what yeah. but anyway i'm gonna try to make the sound and don't laugh yes do the best i can right. go man they go um okay they go like ooh, 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 ooh. they don't go who who they go ooh, 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 ooh. and then yeah. they start talking to each other and then they go ooh, yeah. Stuff like that. Nice. That's that's by the way my <laughs> inner monologue most of the time. All right, what do you think, Julie? <laughs> yeah, that's it's very clearly a barred owl. Barred owl. Yeah. Oh really? Barred owl. Um Yeah, in Woodstock that's uh, common. Um yeah, well, they're, they're pretty not common, common. But they're they're pretty well, ubiquitous. Depends on where you are. Yeah. Yeah. W- Woodstock, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, but that's pretty much what they did. I thought they were coyotes at first because of the weird <laughs> sounds they were making. That is so and, cool. Uh, only... Do you ever talk yeah, back so to I them, finally... Carl? Do you ever try that totally, sound? On... Yeah. Does it work? I do it, yeah, but I don't know if they're really responding to me because they go frantic. And there must be like, it seems like there's 10 of them. But they're probably only like three or four, you know, or something. And I hear them coming from different um, angles and sounds, like as if they were flying around or something, you know. Because I go out in there and looking for them, and I can't find them, but they're making uh, wild sounds. I don't know if they're happy or if they're annoyed or what. Well, you know, I tell you what, if they ever bug you, we're going to send Jane from Lee, Massachusetts over to make some sounds, and they'll all be gone. (laughs) Hey, man, thank you very much for the call. Let's quickly go to Goshen. And, Laura, you're on. Hi. um, I I have a a crow question, too, but I just want to say I feed the birds on my patio. I kind of have this bird seed that's for multiple ones and I scatter it on the patio and then around that on the lawn I put out a lot of peanuts so of course the blue jays come and yeah. the medium sized bird all different kinds but if the weather's bad um, the crows come and there's usually three to five my question is the crow will take a peanut put it in front of it grab another peanut put it right next to it and then take another peanut and put it on top and kind of be poking at these three peanuts mm. like people squeeze the fruit in a supermarket now they can't put all three in their mouths and so eventually they take one peanut fly off to the tree and then sometimes try to come back for the other two of course they're not there what is that crow doing with those peanuts julie 
I'm not sure, but I'm guessing he's looking for the one that has like the most, the um, like the heaviest, fatty, fattest one. But I don't know if you know, Rich. What do you think, Rich? Well, I've seen that happen too. And it's peculiar that the crows and jays will do that. And, um, and uh, Julie, I think you got it right there. They're, they're just, they're silent. And, and like the lady says, they're, they're squeezing the melons in the market. And, uh, <laughs> Finding the just, best. You know, they're shopping around looking for the better offer. Okay. Gosh, they're very intelligent. They are. Yeah. They are. Well, that's that. I didn't think of that, that they were actually looking for the biggest peanut. I thought they were trying to figure out a way maybe they could get two in their beak, but that wasn't working. All right. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> All right, Laura. Thank you very much. Uh, Julie Hart, what's going on with the bird count? The Breeding Bird um, Atlas. The Breeding Bird Atlas. It's, uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, um, it's getting sunny, it's getting warmer, birds are starting to sing, things are starting to happen. Um, so there are a few species that are out right now um, breeding. Um, if anybody sees something like, so these great horned owls or these barred owls that are calling, eagles are getting ready for their nest, all this kind of stuff, um, please report those and to the Atlas. And how do people Atlas. do that? They would go to ebird.org slash atlasny. Okay. And Rich Guthrie, when, sir, are you going to be back in the Empire State? I will let you know. Oh, yes. You'll hear that. me crowing from a rooftop. You're very mysterious. Well, th Rich, thanks for calling in. We appreciate it. And uh, have a good one down oh. there. Julie Hart, thank you for coming into the studio. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. We'll see you both next month, hopefully. Support comes from Careers in Transition, LLC, Albany. Dr. Tom Denham providing individual career guidance, career testing, job strategies, interview preparation, resume, and cover letter writing, accepting new clients. Careers in Transition, LLC.com. And Ambrose, electric standby power, an electrical contractor providing sales, service, and installation of residential and commercial Generac automatic standby generators serving the Greater Capital District for over 40 years, AmbroseLEC.com. Once again, thanks to Julie Hart and Rich Guthrie for joining us today. Thank you for listening. Thanks for the calls. Thanks for the emails. Sorry if we didn't get to yours. They'll be back next month. Thanks to Zachary Malloy, our engineer. Lightning Eddie Rosen screened the calls. I'm Ray Graff. Tomorrow, it's stamps und coins, and we'll see you too.